Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 256. Thank you for tuning in. I've got a great guest today. I mean, I was, I was posting about this the other, other day. I've, this year has got off to a hell of a start. I think we can all agree. But today's guest uh, is Stephen Knight. And I know I'm going to have a lot of first-time listeners here because the question I get asked the most on social media is what's happening with Series 2 of Taboo. Stephen Knight is the writer of Taboo, of Series 1 and Series 2. So I'm speaking in rhyme now. I'm like a who. <laughs> that was weird. I didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah, so we discussed that in this episode. We have a good old chat about what the plan is for Series 2, where we're at with it. Yeah, we go into detail. Don't worry. It's all in here. So anyone who's a first-time listener because of that, go and check out some previous episodes. If you're into Taboo, um, I talk about that with Stephen Graham when he was on. He plays Atticus. And with Rob Parker, um, who played Cole. So, um, yeah, there's some good episodes to go and and check out on, on, on that subject. Who else have I chatted to? I'm not sure if I've had anyone else... Oh, I had a Chris Fairbank on who was in Taboo, but that was... I'm not sure we talk about it that much in that one. Uh, but yeah, lo- loads of options there. Obviously, I also talked to Stephen about Peaky Blinders and about his new film, Serendipity. And before we go into it, because we, since we recorded the interview, there's been some stuff happen, and uh, it's been interesting. I want to update you on it. As you'll hear at the start of the podcast, it's a really hard film to talk about without spoilers. And we kind of, I mean, we do give slight spoilers on the serendipity, but not complete, but at least implications. Um, And that's, I talk about how brave it is as a film, because there's a good chunk of it that appears to be, (laughs) it's so hard to talk about. A good chunk appears to be one kind of film. And then there's a switch and you realise that there was a reason for it appearing to be that and so on and so forth. Now, because of audience tests or whatever, um, the distribution pulled all of the funding for the marketing of it. And I'm only touching upon this because the stars of it, Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, have both spoken out and been really angry about this because they love it as a project and feel it is one that kind of, if you get it, uh, my feeling is, I, again, I'm, I really, I talk about this all the time online. Everyone's got different uh, a, a tastes in film. You know, I never try and tell people they have to enjoy this or if they, they like that film, they've got bad taste or if they hate this film, they've got good taste or whatever else, you know. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not one for saying it's going to be your favourite film ever or it's going to be your worst film ever or whatever, but... I just think when people are taking risks and making bold and unusual, you know, films and approaches to filmmaking, you should be supporting that as a as an industry and trying to get as many people's eyes on it as possible. Um, it's it's it came out on on Sky, so you can watch it now on 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 Sky. It's got a, a limited c- cinema run as well, but yeah. I just thought I'd touch upon that because that's all happened s- since um, me and Stephen sat down and chatted. Um, before we get into the episode, I'll mention we will have just had the new poem of the month. Um, if you miss me speaking in rhyme as I did at the start of this, but accidentally, if you miss that, then you can go in here, poem of the month, a spoken word piece I do over at patreon.com slash Pip. It's only a dollar a month and you get that and you also get the distraction pieces rewind which are these bonus episodes looking back and going behind the scenes on previous episodes Um, but i'm not gonna bang on about it too much or or hard sell you anything it's over there patreon.com slash screwbius pip go and have a look uh we're also obviously brought to you as ever by speech development records.com tons of good merch over there uh sunglasses i think are now back in stock every time i get them in stock they sell out um i did the first post about them this year and they sold out in 24 hours so i've ordered a load more by the time you hear this they should be, be be back in stock you may be listening and why does anyone care about a pair of sunglasses go and have a look at them they're, they're good they're unusual as I said all over at speechdevelopmentrecords.com 
that's about all I need to ramble to you about. I will mention, if you missed it, um, if you're a podcast fan, then have a look at Pod Bible on on the socials. Um, it's a new podcast, a free podcast magazine, um, and on the social media, it will be regularly recommending podcasts, discussing podcasts, doing interviews with podcasters. The magazine is available online at podbiblemag.com, and the first issue has an interview with Adam Buxton, has an interview with Craig Parkinson, um, James Haskell recommends his um, his favourite podcast. There's tons of good stuff on there. So go and have a look at all of that and engage and follow and chat and all that kind of nonsense. Um, but for now, I don't think there's anything else I need to, to, to tell you about. L- let's get into this wonderful chat. It's the first t- t- a time I'd met Stephen. And to be honest, it was only about a certain amount of time into the conversation that he clicked that I play f- French Bill in Taboo. Because I didn't make a big deal of it at the start. So yeah, I'm sure... I can't remember if it was in the pre before we got rolling or once we're rolling but you might be able to hear a point where the the penny drops and he's like oh yeah (laughs) i know this guy um so yeah we talk about loads of stuff and it was a really good chat he's genuinely he's been one of my favorite writers for a long time long before um i got the rolling taboo i was a fan of Locke and i was a fan of peaky blinders and yeah Exciting to chat to him. Exciting to see all that's ahead. So, without further ado, this is episode 256 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Right, I'm joined today by Stephen Knight. How are you, sir? I'm very good, thank you. Um, it's good to have you on. Um, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, but the, the the it's always good when we've got an hour so we can get into things a bit more. Yeah. I find on a lot of the press junkets and stuff like that, people tend to enjoy doing the podcast because they don't just have to do the normal so t- the same t- thing two, over three minutes again. of yeah, exactly. here's what the film is. Exactly. Um, but your new film, Serenity... It's one that I, there's a lot I want to talk about, but there's a lot I don't want to talk about because mm. of spoilers and stuff mm. and twists. And that's part of the beauty of it is the kind of the unexpected part. Mm-hmm. So how do you handle promoting a project like this when you want people to watch, but you don't mm. want to really give anything away? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in surprises being real surprises mm-hmm. rather than... Uh, setting them up and I think there's a long tradition of setting surprises up because yeah. people are worried that audiences will be sort of scared or yeah. shocked too shocked um, I really wanted not to give anything away and I think a lot of people uh, will have seen trailers and, and thought it was a particular film Completely. and the inte- my intention from the very beginning um, because you know I've written a lot of stuff and the film industry more even more than TV but film seems to attract rules more than any other yeah. art form. And, you know, there's the three acts and the, the character arc. And yeah. if it's, a, you know, often um, th- there needs to be some sort of moral uh, judgment made at the end. Yeah. And films fall into categories and the genres and you can't not be in a genre and yeah. it, because it makes it more difficult to market. Now, all of those things are okay, but... And, you know, I work in the system, I write scripts in the system for studios, credited, uncredited, but, and that's great, I understand it, it's a business, it's an industry and people need to make money, but occasionally I like to take an idea of my own and direct it because I think if I handed it over, the system would spit it back out or it would change it, which is why I did Locke, um, which was, if people have seen it, They'll know it's one man. What, what I wanted, the, the challenge I gave myself there was can you take the most ordinary man in Britain yeah. doing the most ordinary job, working with the most boring material, doing yeah. something completely normal like driving down a motorway, and can you make that into a film? Well, um, Locke is, is one of the most important films in, in, in my life. And it, it, it was before I started acting, and, and I, again, I'll get into... We'll get into writing as well. I'm writing mm. a lot of scripts and oh, stuff really? now okay. as well. But 
before that, I did music and I, I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to tour the world for, for 10 oh, well. years or so. Yeah. But I've always been a film and TV nerd. So my thing on tour was to, was to take myself off and watch yeah. a movie. Yeah. And on one tour, I remember, I remember it clearly. I was in Bristol and the, and the cinema was a half hour walk away. But I thought I walked there and I went to see Locke. And right. prior to doing music and stuff, I tried to make sh- short films with my friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So music was a yeah, thing yeah, that yeah. took off, but yeah. acting and all this yeah, and I stuff you. I was passionate about as well. And Locke was one that it just, it it was really inspirational because it was exactly that. It was going right. I mean, you could have gone away and made that on z- zero budget mm. effectively because it, it really showed that if you can write the idea creatively enough and interestingly enough, you can have all the drama mm. of real high-intense <clears throat> thriller yeah. Just from a guy in a car yeah. on speakerphone every yeah. now and then, and that's kind of yeah, that must have been an exciting thing to do to direct on your own and to yeah. do in 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 that manner and go no, we honestly we don't need to change anything, we don't need to have these extra bits exactly. And you know, the, of course, there was it was a very low budget, so if the budget is low enough, people leave you alone, which is yeah. great. Um, so we did that, and Tom was really into it, and obviously he's brilliant. And yeah. again. You know, in between, I've done conventional stuff, but when an idea like Serenity comes along, I yeah. just know that unless you keep control of it, people will try to make it obey the rules of, yeah. of narrative. What I wanted to do with this was to create a narrative that is conventional and almost too conventional, so that at the beginning, before the twist is revealed, you might think, this feels heightened. It doesn't feel quite real. Yeah. It feels something other than real. And then when um, the, the, the twist is revealed, you understand why that is. But the basic idea that I wanted to challenge myself with is create a narrative, create characters, create stakes and jeopardy and all the things you're supposed to do, and then crash that car into a tree yeah. and just let one wheel go bouncing down the road and follow just the wheel. In other words, take everything away. Everything that you thought was what you were watching, remove yeah. it, yeah, and then pick up and see how the pieces pick up. And I'm really pleased. That, I'm really pleased that. I mean, I expected that there would be not outrage, but people don't. It's mad. It's ludicrous. It's insane, and all of those things. But as the days have passed, the response is starting to change, yeah. and people. I think it's possibly as a result of social media and people talking to each other. But now. I'm starting to see reviews that are really good, which is which is a surprise. Yeah, it's it's there's a real bravery in it because particularly in this world, and you said about <coughs> kind of rules and things like that. Yeah. People always have this: oh, you need to hook people in the first twenty minutes, and stuff like that. that. Yeah, and um, I was nervous about this podcast in the first twenty minutes, half hour, because mm. I said I'm a fan of a lot of it. I was watching this again. This isn't what I know of, yeah. Steve. Like, this isn't the kind of film I expect. For yeah. So, is this going to be the most awkward one to talk about? So, but again, there's, I, I love that that you've gone. No, this is how it pays off. If yeah. we didn't, and it's similar, and we'll talk about all sorts of. Other things. I hope it's not similar to anything. But there you are. Oh, no, 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 I mean, in your, I can see your approach in that because mm. I know that when. Um, a taboo came out, which mm-hmm. I, was, I was lucky enough to be part of, and yeah. uh, and loved it. I was talking to to Tom about it at the time, um, and there was a, a, some nerves because, quite rightfully, you write for a slow build to 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 give yeah. genuine emotional payoffs. Yeah. Yet TV, particularly American TV, mm-hmm. has become so. Oh, we mm. need to put everything in the first episode. There has mm. to be deaths, drama, all this. Yeah, yeah. And you don't write like that. And that came to mind on, mm. on on this was the fact that people could get 20, 30 minutes in and go, oh, this isn't my kind of thing and turn mm. over. Yeah. That's kind of the, yeah, the, yeah. the risk. But you've got to know that, well, honestly, for those who do stick through, the payoff is worth it. Yeah, but yeah. for those who don't, fuck them. Yeah, exactly. they, can, like, yeah. they can go. <laughs> exactly. See you later, but. I mean, I think that's the thing you have to do. And, uh, you know, if you're lucky enough to be in a position where the stuff you do gets made. Mm. And I, I don't see the point of you know it's like hollywood um has been hitting people in the same place with the same shovel for a long time yeah you know or over and over again because if that worked then something similar will work yeah and i think it's just not something it's something i do as a day job because it's what i do when i'm writing scripts for you know for studios yeah 
but when I'm doing something for myself, I really want to try to genuinely do something different, not do something different in the same way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, it's a weird business because, like, if a, if a painter paints a painting and it's successful and sells for £90 million, no one then comes up to that painter and says, well, actually, 40% of that painting was blue, mm-hmm. 20% was yellow, 30% was green. So can we do that again? Yeah. Can you do yeah. that percent? You know, it wouldn't make any sense. And I think it's the same. I think the approach I have when I'm directing something is to say, my intention is to get people into a room, turn off the lights and get them to look at a screen for 90 minutes. Yeah, completely. And, and that's it. That's your job. It's an exciting one. There's when <coughs> One thing that I wondered is, is when you start a script, do you know that this is one that you're directing or do you write? Do you start and go? Oh, is this one to to hand off, or or do you start and go? Well, I'm the writer and director of this. This is going to be my yeah. It, it's a, it's a it's a process that takes a while. Like this one, I was on a. I like to go fishing, and I was on a fishing boat, and the, the captain was great, and he was hospitable, and yeah, you know, you're the tourist paying for the for the petrol and stuff until you caught a fish, and then he was just you didn't exist. He just was obsessed with the fish and he was obsessed with a particular fish as well yeah which was very moby dick um and i I just in that experience i felt it it was touching upon a long tradition narrative tradition of american literature going back to captain ahab and possibly even i mean there's, there's many biblical references as well but the idea of the man adrift the man lost at sea the man surrounded by the void who is looking for certainty, looking for a, th- a thing, looking yeah. for communication. Um, and you can take that through the Hemingway heroes as well. And when I was creating Baker Deal, what I wanted to do was create a hero who was specifically a consequence of other fictional heroes. Yeah. So normally I try to avoid making films that are like films or avoid trying to have influences from other from other fictional things and try where possible to address reality because I think reality is much more weird and obscure and unpredictable. Yeah, completely. Um, but in this case, because of the nature of what I was trying to set up, I wanted to set up a character that was recognisably based on other fictional characters. Yeah. And similarly with Anne's character of Karen, she's based on other fictional characters yeah. through literature as well. And then when the payoff comes you sort of understand why yeah they're not based on real people yeah it, it makes sense do you did you have or do you have a cast in mind at times when you're writing characters because matthew mcconaughey <coughs> is perfect for, mm. uh, for, uh, for this role because kind of again i'm not wanting to give anything in the way but <laughs> in the first half it feels like Matthew McConaughey before what is often referred to as the, as the McConaughey sense, yeah. where he suddenly became this yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing yeah. Oscar-worthy actor. Yeah. It feels like early McConaughey, which is odd, and mm. then it, then you get the depth and everything else come later. So it feels like a perfect choice. Of, it of, is. Of, it was of who to get. and first choice, and Anne was first choice yeah. as well. Uh, in fact, we got all of our first choices, which is great because I think it's the same with actors where they want to do stuff that isn't on the treadmill you know they yeah. want to they want to try new things do new things and that, i think they're two of the best actors around in yeah, the world completely. and to get them to take this on because they knew it was a challenge and, and like matthew had a huge cardboard sort of poster thing that he'd handwritten to track baker dill's oh, wow. view of reality of where he where he is and what he believes to be true and what he believes not to be true and really intricate with loads of scribbled notes on it so yeah. that when he shoots, because obviously he shoots out a sequence. When he when he went in to shoot it, he knew where Baker Dill was at. That's fantastic. For that moment. Yeah. Um, and similarly with Anne, you know, she's so scrupulous and so thorough in her research. And you know, in the conversations, I'm saying to both of them, "Look, you're not real. Yeah, you're not really. You, you don't have to be real." I said to the costume designer, "Go mad. Go yeah. go sweaty Hollywood. Go 1930s, 1940s. Why not?" Because you can, you're allowed to. Yeah. And that was the thing I wanted to then subvert completely. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love the, the the battles with reality. I always think that's a, f- a fascinating thing 
in film to put forward a high concept, but then you've always got the option. I think Harvey is is my favourite film of yeah, all time, and it's absolutely. a beautiful one. Yeah, it is. In, in, in that aspect of going, oh, is the character just cr- cr- mm. crazy? The yeah. options are they're yeah. crazy yeah. or it's unimaginable. Yeah, you know, another reality. A, a, another reality. Yeah, and <clears throat> I love that because there is always that simple answer of, oh no, they're mm. just not yeah. right. It's yeah. all in their head, and that yeah. really. I love it when you can have that in the story. It felt like, although it's not necessarily directly addressed, McConaughey's mm. performance really yeah. puts through the struggle he's having of kind of going, look, this might just be um, mm. bonkers. And yeah. If it is, then yeah. let's go out with a bang. Kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. A, I, I love that element. And I love that it didn't need to be a, a written down and addressed. I think, mm. and I, I want to know if that the confidence in writing in that way comes if you know you're directing it because um alain arobe agrile is a a, fa- a a french director i've been watching a lot of recently mm. and one of the things he had in like i think it was in the 30s or, or mm. 40s or that kind of time was his argument was film is an art mm. and <clears throat> you if you go into a gallery you can see a painting and love it. You might yeah. not understand it. It yeah. might not all be explained, but you yeah. just get a feeling. Yeah, for yeah. It. And film these days, so much of it, we, it feels there needs to be. It's written out. Here's mm. the ex- everything's tied up at the end. Exactly. And I feel potentially, if you're writing a script to hand over to someone else, there might be the pressure to do that. Whereas if you're writing a script that you know you're controlling, mm-hmm. you can go. Just trust me. I don't. I, yeah. I, I'll have the confidence to leave some things. Uh, that I know the answer to, yeah, yeah. or the character knows, yeah. but you know we don't have to spoon feed everything. No, I absolutely right, and and that that is completely correct because the the pressure would be if you handed it over that you've got to pay this off in a conventional way, and you've yeah. got everybody's got to leave the theatre knowing exactly what what they just saw. But I don't want people to know exactly what they just saw. And the important point for me is that um, any even cursory glance at what we now know, what is known today, quantum physics, quantum mechanics. Yeah. Basically, we don't know anything yeah, yeah, about yeah. anything. We yeah. don't know what this is. We don't know what reality is. We don't know what time is. We don't know any of those things. So we're mm-hmm. surrounded by this void, just like Baker Dill on the ocean. We don't know what's real and what's not. And it is, without question, we create our own reality. Yeah. Um, you know, our perception creates the reality and they're, they're all the way back to René Descartes, you know, I think therefore I am, that's all you know. Yeah. You only know that you are here, that's it. Yeah. Now that offers permission to explore, I think. Um, and a lot of people who make films are, are very wary of going anywhere near anything like that because yeah. it can sound pretentious, it can sound odd. I don't really care. You know, it's something that one has to do if you're a writer. That's surely what, the the job is you know and so that combined with the fact that if you walk into a cafe or a bar now there'll be 20 people each in their own reality because they're all looking at their screen Mm. they're not in the bar really anymore or they are in the bar but they're also somewhere else now we're all capable of submersing ourselves into that other reality of the screen Mm -hmm. completely so that if someone taps you on the shoulder briefly, you're in between the two. And it's a reality that, that exists between you and the screen, yeah. as well as the reality between you and the world. And it just, I think, gives again, gives permission to use that fact to say, if that's the case, if people are sitting down in bars and creating their own reality instantly yeah. and then stepping out of it again and then going back into it again, what is it then? What's the thing that you see when you look up from the screen? Is that a screen as well, effectively? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And so all of these lovely questions <laughs> come up, and I felt the only way to deal with it was to just do something as insane as the question. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, create something that you recognise with characters and stuff, but bizarre with, you know, the fish is justice and yeah. all of that stuff, and then just whack it away and, yeah. and let the pieces fly, you know, and see what happens, like at the end when all the pieces are flying around. Yeah. Um, and see what happens. And I think what I'm really pleased about, uh, I got a text from Anne last night, you know, saying, keep faith with this, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly it. You've got to hold your nerve, I think. And it's been great how 
the initial howls of outrage have started to change now. Yeah. And it's only a couple of days, so I'm pleased. I love that. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating <clears throat> idea in general because, again, it, is, it, it can seem completely outrageous, but until you compare it to other things, I'm, there's a, a thing I've been writing recently, and it's been, been looking at the fact that, again, kind of as you were saying, we're all, we're all essentially the lead actor in our own film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and having the, the, the crazy idea, well, maybe this is all a simulation yeah, and only yeah. I'm, I'm the yeah. only one that really exists yeah. and everyone else only exists when they're yeah, in my... Yeah. That's, that seems crazy. But then what is even more hard to get your head around is that everyone you, you walk past mm. has an intricate story. Yeah. That is something... Yeah. It's, it's even harder to get into your head. Yeah. It's almost easier to get into your head that as soon as they're not in my presence, they yeah. don't exist. Yeah, exactly. That. So... It, are, it is as soon as you start to look into these concepts, that's yeah. just stuff that we accept. It's yeah. like now, when you think about it, it's really mind-boggling. Exactly. And I, I really, I my when I was I was I was on set on Taboo, and I was lucky to have Stevie and Tommy both take me under their wing as yeah. only my fourth acting role at that point. Mm. But a breakthrough I had for my character of, of French Bill and making it work was realizing that. Again, you're all the lead. Everyone is the lead in their own film. Mm, so yeah. every time I'm in the background, number one, I don't believe in. I think it annoys me that there's mm. even the, a concept of stealing a scene. I don't think that adds <laughs> to anything. You should be yeah, a yeah. team. It should all be yeah, yeah, yeah. bringing stuff. You be, <clears throat> yeah. If you've stolen a scene, in my opinion, you've messed it up. Yeah, you've you, you, you've taken yeah, away the attention. Um, yeah. But I was adamant, and the example I, I always was think of was because there was a scene where. It's the first time Atticus and, and, mm. and Delaney meet. And I was one of the people in the background with the gang. And I thought, right, well, I need to not think of myself as someone in the background. So yes. what I knew from reading the script, obviously, was what was coming. So mm. I sat in the background sh- sharpening my knife, yeah, yeah. which wasn't in the script anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But I knew that next time I'm on camera, mm-hmm. I'm slitting someone's throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for my tiny character in the background... Yeah. He's the lead. He, yeah. sh- he shouldn't. He wouldn't. Just, if 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 the if the main story is mm-hmm. he's now going to go and kill someone, yeah. he'll be sharpening his knife, yeah. and that can that makes that brings everything up a bit. It mm. means it's not taking away anything, yeah, yeah. but it's allowing every character to go. Well, in real life, I'm not mm. sitting in the background of anything. Yeah. In real life, yeah. I've got a whole story going on in my head, so you can't. Well, that's why I think act- that. actors are, have an interest in life because they are creating works of art with their body yeah with their mind with their expressions and so they they are creating another reality but another thing that influenced me was um there was a french i think there is a french philosopher and i've forgotten his name but he put forward in fact i think he was a mathematician but he put forward the idea that if computer technology continues to advance in the next 50 years as quickly as it has in the last 50 years then there's no question that computer-generated characters will believe themselves to be real. Yeah. In order to be able to function, they'll have to believe in their own reality. Now, if that's the case, in 50 years' time, there'll be billions and billions times more computer-generated characters than there will be real people. Mm. And if you reduce that to mathematics, therefore, in terms of probability, it is most likely that you're a computer-generated yeah. character because yeah. there's so Absolutely, many more of them. Isn't it? Yeah. I know. And like, if you do it just purely through rational science... Yeah. It's quite chilling. I love that. So let's kind of go around your <coughs> career a little bit now. And So what is it that, or what or what do you find are your inspirations for, I'm going to tell a story, and, and Locke's an easy example there because it's such a closed-in thing. Mm. What kind of made you go, I can make this yeah. something, I can tell this as a story? and Because I think the, the key f- for me with Locke is... Again, it's it's going straight back to that we're all the lead in our own story. Yeah. That, that something dramatic, something small dramatic mm. happening in my normal life yes. is as dramatic exactly. as a building bl- yes. blowing up in, in, in Bruce Willis's yes. life. Because yeah. Bruce Willis is meant to be yeah, 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 normal. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I wanted to, again, it was, um, you know, can this be done sort of moment. And as I say, I wanted it to be someone who... A camera would normally never be pointed at that character. Yeah. You know, he's a building construction site engineer. Yeah. Uh, and his crisis, as you say, you know, he's got to get the concrete poured before next morning. And he's, he's got a personal crisis as well, which would never make even the local newspaper. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they started watching it, were thinking, oh, well, there's 
he's murdered someone and the body's under the concrete. That's why yeah. he said, you know, expecting the, yeah. the expected. Yeah, so the big twist? Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I just, I believe people, when they're watching the screen, look, no matter how many things have been blown up and how many buildings are falling over, they're looking at the eyes of the character yeah. on the screen. And my question was, is that enough? Because in that, all you get is Tom's eyes, basically. Yeah. Because yeah. he's got his face, and that's where you're looking. And it, it seemed to—I mean, I had, it's an incredible response to that. Where usually middle-aged, I did a tour in America of, to promote it because there's no budget to to advertise it. So I was doing screenings, and they, it, it was usually sort of middle-aged men who I just knew had been dragged to this thing. Yeah, you know where they've been told it's a man in a car, British man in a car. I was yeah, like, what? Great. And a lot of them were in tears. They were like, "This is what my dad never did." This is what I never did. Yeah. This is the secret I should have told. And oh, it was incredible that it rang a bell with so many people who in their ordinary lives, because I mean, there's no such thing as the ordinary life, but um, so many people have that skeleton in the cupboard, the family thing. Not so many people, all people have it. Yeah. Um, and I think trying to address the, the small drama yeah. um, was was in, an interesting task. Completely, and it is, it's... It's the reality of how big the small drama is in relation to anything else in your mm, life. Yeah. It's something I've always found... It's going to sound odd now, but it's something I've always found fascinating with Big Brother. Um, yeah. I've always... I've watched it and thought, <coughs> oh, these idiots are arguing yeah. over the stupidest things. Yeah. I could solve that in a minute. But, but then I thought, oh, when I had a girlfriend a, a while back who was living with me a lot of the mm. time, the way she, she didn't dr- dry her feet getting out of the shower... Oh, God, was yeah. infuriated. Yeah. It was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. It's a tiny thing, but it's because you're in that yes. enclosed situation. And exactly. it's the same with Big, Big Brother. Yeah. We can all look and go, oh, look at these idiots being yeah. thrown into reality. It's like, no, you're beat. You're, it's even worse because you're there yeah. with strangers. That that yeah. becomes high drama. Yeah. And it's not an exaggeration. It's, no, exactly. it's, it's, it's relative to everything else yeah. in, in your situation yeah. or, your, exactly. or, or your life at that yeah. point. Yeah, it's fascinating. But um, So from speaking to... Mr. Hardy, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it's true, but he he'd kind of said to me that there's a lot of of favours and friendships and things like that. And he was saying that Locke essentially he agreed to do Locke yeah. as you if you agreed to, to write do, to boo. taboo. Yeah. So 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 how was that to kind it of great. We to met work to... in a barter? Yeah. And, and, exactly. and then to go. So what's this story? Because again, Tom particularly when he's excited, he will tell you a million things oh, all no. at once and it will oh, be no. off you, on You say, Tom, the journalist yeah. around journalists. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it will go a million different directions and yeah. it'll be like, you then have to go, right, well, there's clearly a lot of fucking gold yeah. in here, but yeah, yeah. what's the bits yeah, yeah. I need to tie together? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, we met at, uh, I was invited to, to meet him at the, um, which one was it? Soho Hotel. Yeah. Um, and he was parking his car and I said to his manager, is it okay? Well, basically, I've been invited to talk about a project called Taboo. Yeah. And I said, well, we're talking about it. Do you mind if I mention this thing called Lock, which I, I was halfway through? Um, and we got talking. And, yeah, I mean, there and then we sort of said, okay, I'll do Taboo if you do Lock. Yeah, great, good. That was it. Perfect. <laughs> and, I love that. And we did deal. it. But the funny thing about him is um, he decided to base the character um, of Ivan Lock. Because I said, oh, it's got to be the most ordinary person yeah. in Britain, in the world. He said, I, I know who I'll base it on. There's a, someone I know who's really ordinary. And he's Welsh, so I'll do Welsh. Yeah. So he, he listened to a lot of Richard Burton, uh, Undermilk Wood and stuff, and got the accent and played it Welsh. And the Western Mail, the Welsh newspaper, uh, somehow tracked down the person he based it on. And they said, what, what's it like that, you know, Thomas base this character on you he said it's great he said but i'm not welsh (laughs) (laughs) he's from cumbria (laughs) oh that's amazing (laughs) so he'd done all this richard burton stuff but yeah (laughs) i love that so so uh, um it's it's interesting because we've because because my introduction to to taboo i i is is before i had an agent and i was just i was hustling to get into to to meet with different casting directors and i met with um and nina gold who was was casting and she was like I like you for Game of Thrones, I like yeah. you for Star Wars, and I like yeah. you for Taboo. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that last yeah, one is. Yeah, forget Taboo, but, but I'll do the other two. two. Yeah. And then she, she, she sent it through, and I was I was already a fan of your writing, 
obviously Ridley Scott is an, mm-hmm. an, a name no, to course. be attached, yes. and, and 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 Tom in there, and yes. the script that they sent through had Stephen Graham's name watermarked on it. Yeah, so yeah. whilst he wasn't announced, yeah, I was yeah. like, big fan yeah, of this guy as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it was suddenly the right. This is this is an exciting pr- yeah. project to be part of. So how was it to to write that? Because Tom's always kind of said that he feels. It was the trifecta that allowed the freedom to write how you write. Because you were saying mm. earlier about if you're if you're directing it yourself, you know mm. you can write how you want to write, yeah. and it won't be interrupted. Tom kind of felt that for the BBC to leave you alone this. enough, it was you, yeah. Ridley, and Tommy being yeah. on there that, yeah. that, that that gave you that yes. power to go right. Yeah. We're going to make this how we make it. So how yeah. was that? And was there a, a freedom, or was there? I mean, again, because Tom's. He's a collaborator. Yeah. He's very much yeah. so. So, so, how, yeah. how was that? It's. I mean, working in television has been a, a real blessing, you know, because yeah. I did. I did TV, and then I went away and did film for a long time, which is great, and works in the Hollywood system, which is fine. But then um, <clears throat> I was asked if I had any TV ideas, and there was something that which I'd wanted to do for sort of twenty-five years was Peaky Blinders, yeah. and took that to the BBC, and they. The BBC are so great, and yeah. I, I, whenever I meet them now, I say, "Look, just start swaggering around the world because you are the best." You know, yeah. which other platform had a good Second World War? Yeah. No one, yeah. only yeah, the BBC. Yeah, yeah. So they've got all this tradition, all this, and what their trick, I think, is they do leave you alone. So with Peaky, it's like, yeah, off you go then. That's so amazing, write six it? episodes, come back, yeah, okay, shoot it, show it to us when it's done, yeah, great. And with Taboo, similarly. Um, yeah. No notes, and to be fair, we work with FX, yeah. the American mm-hmm. um, TV company, and they didn't come back with notes either. So, you know, I think it's a difficult one to sell to a producer when they're spending money on a movie and spending twenty five, fifty, hundred million dollars. That yeah. just leave it to us we'll be fine and yeah. come back when we do they won't do it you know and you can sort of understand it they want to keep control they want to change it so that it's more like something that's happened before mm-hmm. all of those things i was talking about before with the rules of it with television i hope it continues but you are le- as a writer you're left to write what you want to write it's not really changed that much what you write is shot because the director who comes in doesn't and that's the other great difference with film is the director doesn't come in and take it over. Yeah. And often when the director takes it over, they change the script or they get another writer to come in and do a, what they call a polish. With television, you don't get that. The director comes in and shoots what you've written. Yeah. Um, and with Taboo, we were so lucky to have those two yeah. fantastic Scandinavian Amazing. directors who were just calm, selfless, brilliant, creative, you know, artists. Fantastic. Um, and particularly with kind of the time and budget limitations for something so grand they were just amazing just, yep well we'll make it happen we'll do it let's go and do it <laughs> but that's the spirit of the thing and and i think that's in britain as well we're lucky with crews and directors where the same with peaky which you know functions on a budget a fraction yeah of most of the other things that it competes against um because the people are so committed and devoted to it they make it happen as you yeah think. yeah and that was ex- i always think of the the big end battle scene that we shot that in a day and a half. Yeah. That in films, that would be at least a week, a couple of weeks, p- pushing on for a month of its it a big budget film. So the fact that that was a day and a half and everyone just going, nah, we'll just, we'll just make it work. Do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the spirit of it. And I think that the more, I mean, I, I really enjoy being involved in things where you can't solve the problem with money. Yeah. Yeah. It's very tempting to go with it, but. Completely. If you know you can solve the problem with money, you can start getting a bit lazy, you yeah. can start messing about, you know. And, and if you know you don't have that luxury, you have to solve it with an idea. Yeah. You have to solve it with something creative. And I think that's good exercise, you know. And my biggest music video I ever did, I directed a lot of my own music videos. And I was, I'd been doing stuff in a duo that had got in the charts and then I was, I was doing a solo record. And it, but I was releasing it on my own label, so I had exactly that. I was like, mm. right, I've got about 100 quid to spend on this. <laughs> Genuinely 100 quid. So I spent 70 of it on a storage container. Yeah. And we filmed a video all in there in as a one-shot, because I'm obsessed with one-shots from film yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And 
I cut my beard off and shaved my hair as I'm rapping because I was like, right, because I've only got 100, how do I make everyone come and watch it? Yeah. I'm known for having a big beard. Yeah. If word gets out I'm cutting my beard off, then they'll at least give it a look. Fantastic. So, so yeah. exactly. If I'd had a big budget, I yeah. might have come up with something completely no, exactly. different and crazy because I was like, I've got nothing, but I've got some clippers and yeah. some scissors and a camera. So let's kind that's of that's exactly that's the let's make it work. of the of that exactly that. And um, it's, it's it's also, I mean, I had an advantage on taboo on being new to it. So I'm just I said, it blows my mind that I'm allowed on set. <laughs> so my character's role grew and grew mm. because of exactly that. I was, as soon as I was wrapped, I was like, I'll just hang around. Yeah. Partly because I want to watch and learn. Yeah, yeah. But partly I was like, well. If we need to pull together on anything, yeah. I'll jump back in. You know, I'll be yeah. there. And, and it, it meant I got extra kills, yeah, yeah. extra things like that, because yeah. I, like, I would not get anyone to... Yeah. If Pippi is still, and I'd be like, yeah. I'm literally at monitors, because yeah, yeah. my thought is, I need to, to crash course this. And if I can crash course learning from Stevie yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and Tom Hollander as well, and people like that yeah. were just amazing. So, yeah. 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 It's a, a great one to be part of. But the script, the thing that jumped out to me from the script was... I guess it comes from the freedom that you had on Peaky, because my mm. thought was always, yeah, there's freedom, but it's the BBC, so you're going to be a little bit restrained. But the first time I spoke to Tom Hollander was just to say he had a line that was mm. my favourite line I've ever read <coughs> in anything, and it was where his character, Delaney, is asking him if he finds um, what is his kind of stepmom, I guess, mm. attractive. It's, it's yeah, it's a, or his yeah, sister he's referred to. It's no, it's the sister oh, it's he's referred sister. to. Yes, yeah. um, if he finds her attractive, and he says, not only is she on the long list of women I would sleep with, <laughs> yes. but she's on the far shorter list of women I would masturbate over. <laughs> yeah. Which it's there's a crudeness, but there's yeah. such a beauty in that because it's, it's, it's so a reality. True. It's yeah, such a exactly. trick. There's such a small list. Yeah, it is. If you're imagining, it's yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, it blew me away, and <laughs> but it also made me think. Man, you must be confident that the BBC are okay with, well, or have faith in you, I guess. Yeah, it was it was a good time and still is a good time. Particularly for BBC. the period type yeah. thing. Because you've got Charlotte Moore and Piers Wenger there at the moment. Mm. And there's always been a problem with BBC where you get a quick turnover of, of, of people. But they're, they're, they're there and they're enduring and they're both brilliant. And they are both um, prepared to push the boundaries. So with Taboo, not only did they accept all of that they put it on bbc one yeah at nine o'clock on a saturday night yeah which yeah. was so brave and it worked and people really got it you know? and they essentially made a new slot for it yeah they made this exactly it wasn't your kind of sh- shiny yeah. seven eight p.m yeah. saturday slot the, exactly. the the doctor who slot. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. like no we're making this yeah. gritty yeah late night yeah. slot which is amazing mm. how do you find the i guess the best word for it is, is the fluidity of writing for TV because it feels with film. I guess it depends on the project, but mm. it feels with film, if you're not directing, it feels a lot more that you hand it over oh, yeah. and then that's it. But yeah. with TV, because the series I did before Taboo was also on FX, was The Bastard Executioner, and mm. I think even more so with American TV, the scripts are still being written as I they're know. filming and there's changes from mm. what shot there, changes mm. the script there. Is that exciting? Is it hellish? Is no, it absolute torture to be, right, we've got to change no, next week's I'm, script? We don't, we? I, I don't accept that, really. Yeah. Um, I know that it, it, I've got something being shot in America at the moment and the there is that sort of, which is, which is from features, I think, where you do, where the script is very malleable it's almost like yeah. a blueprint and they change it all the time which i can't stand because when you're writing a script i try to choose every word yeah you yeah. know very deliberately and it's there for a purpose and it's like jenga if you take that out take that line out a line further down isn't yeah, going to pay course. off you know um so with peaky and with taboo i tried wherever possible and, and it worked taboo in particular where they shoot what you've written yeah and it's all written ahead of time so we're not shooting not writing while we're shooting the yeah, episode yeah. you know sometimes physical things happen a bit of scenery gets lost or an actor's not well or something so you have to make adjustments yeah. but i think everybody's life is easier if you turn up with the script that you're going to shoot yeah. and then everybody can do their creative bit with it yeah but i think that when 
it all starts to change on the day, I think that's when it starts to fall apart. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, finishing up on, on the taboo section of the podcast, I, I have. To, I mean, the question I get asked the most on social media is, is what's happening with Series 2, how's it coming along? And it blows <coughs> my mind that they think that the, the press plan for announcements is me replying to a tweet. So it's kind of, <laughs> yes. I was like, of course, I don't know anything or can't say anything, but what can you say? Like, where, where uh, is it at? I was speaking to Dean Baker a while yes. back and he was saying that the scripts have been, they were amazing and then there were changes and they were even better. And yeah, yeah. so, so, so where's it sitting at the moment? We're, I've written the first six of yeah. eight um, and I know what's going to happen in the next two. Yeah. Um, there was a hiatus because as everyone knows Tom's, why Charlotte yep. um, had the baby. So Tom quite rightly didn't want to spend a lot of time shooting out of the UK. And this is set outside the UK. Yes. And I think it's better than the first. Um, it's got a lot going on. Um, it's James again and Lorna and some of the old crew. Yep. I'm French. One the, I'm one of the ones who survived. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, no, French Bill is there. Excellent. French Bill news. is definitely there. And <laughs> it, it, it's set, um, well, it's contiguous with, with the first series, so that, that ship escaped. Yeah. So we join it probably a month later. Right. Amazing. And they're heading west. It's exciting. I can't wait. So um, uh, we've touched on Peaky Blinders, and it's... It's it's it, it really it feels like it's your it's your calling card and your mm-hmm. yeah. and your your baby as such. Yeah. How's that been to work on? Because I think people have a warped memory of of its of its life because mm. it wasn't some instant. No, hit. no. it was a slow so, burner. No. And I remember I, I, watching the first series and just feeling Killian and Paul. Everyone, just yeah. the cast was just so amazing. Yeah. But it does feel like it was. Kind of when it went on to Netflix, I think mm-hmm. that it suddenly became this global yeah, yeah. thing, and then it was yeah. this. this well, it's, I mean, the, the good thing about TV is what the commodity you get most of is time. In terms of you get six hours in the British system, you get six hours to develop that part of the story, yeah. and if it's successful, you get twenty-four hours, thirty hours yes. to to have characters develop, and that's just wonderful luxury. Um, you also get time in the sense of you, people get time to find it. And it's interesting that the same, some of the same reviewers who didn't care for Peaky at the beginning, yeah, the same who don't care for Serenity at the moment. And right. I find yeah, that quite yeah, gratifying yeah. because a lot of them now were, it's as if they were there on day one, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the great thing <laughs> yeah. about that is that those, that sort of instant response with a TV show isn't, fatal to the project because people will find it and people don't have to watch it on the night now they can they can watch it on um iplayer or they yeah. obviously on netflix they can watch it and peaky has been the most phenomenal um life after birth yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible because you know i've had i've sat down for three hours with snoop dog who just talking about peaky it's just before amazing. just before christmas um i got a call from i'm not sure i'm saying this name right asap rocky yeah asap rocky ASAP and that just shows me <laughs> and my age but but that's the point of the story is that i get this message that he that he wants to talk about peaky and uh i say to my sons and they go, oh my god <laughs> so i arranged to meet my sons in a restaurant not telling them yeah that he was going to oh, show up. and he came and he showed up and he's just a, such a fan yeah of peaky and we get so much incoming from Hollywood A-listers who want to be in it. And here, what I love about it is that it's a working-class phenomenon as well yeah. as being a slightly highbrow phenomenon. And in the States, it's popular in South Central LA. It's popular in New York and Harlem. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as I was saying, in Harlem, which is great. But it also gets a relatively intellectual following as well. And it's catching on now. In the States, it's really starting to go. Yeah. And when I go there now, if I do interviews for anything like this, always either off-air or on-air, it's like, I love Peaky, I love yeah. Peaky. Yeah. Um, which I just think is great. And, you know, people are wearing the clothes and David Beckham's doing the clothing line now. Yeah. And it's it's so good. I'm so pleased that it's working. And, and I've just finished writing uh, – we've just finished shooting Series 5. Yeah. And with – Hand on heart is the best by far. I mean, it's a rare one where it feels like it's 
grown and grown better and each, better. each series. And <laughs> yeah. part of that is the, the again, I think as soon as it became this beloved thing, you might, you, as you were just saying, you obviously have actors kind of knocking down the door yeah, yeah. to get involved in it. I mean, I have to say now that I've, poor Shaheen Baig, who does the casting, mm. has to put up with so many harassments yeah. from me <laughs> to say, and, and I, had, I, had, I had Florence Pugh on the podcast who, um, is in Lady Macbeth and mm. has won a, a load of awards recently. Yeah. And we got talking about Peaky and we decided that me and her should be the uh, kind of vengeful niece and nephew of Alfie Solomon. You know, oh, nice. we've got the right <laughs> looks for it. Coming in and wreaking havoc, yeah. you know, after he was was, yeah. was so cr- cruelly d- done down. previously. Yeah. Um, but how is that? Because what you notice is it, it in the cast was ridiculous. We've, it was Joe Cole has been on the podcast yeah. as well. Just everyone involved was amazing. And then you add Tom Hardy. And then next series you add P- Paddy Considine. Mm. And then you add, um, yeah, just, just so many. It's just continuing going, yeah. oh, here's all Adrian Brody. Here's yeah. all these amazing actors that you can just add in and, and they all just bring it up yeah. another level and another level. I mean, we, d- it, it, we do get a lot of incoming and I've tried to avoid it becoming spot the celebrity because... I yeah. think it would take away from it. I think Completely. when you get a really good actor uh, expressing an interest and, and there's a role that is there anyway, yeah. then you pick the best actors. So, or, or, or One of the best things about it is a lot of the people in it weren't that, particularly in America, weren't mm. overly no, no, exactly. familiar. I think there's yeah. a massive argument for, I mean, Game of Thrones is an example, it's the mm. biggest TV show of all time. Yeah. No one was known in no, that. Exactly. Other than the, the, the Lena Headey maybe mm. and, and mm. Sean Bean had got killed mm. off quick, but... No one was known, and that's yeah. what makes it so believable as yeah. the characters. It's not just this big, yeah. overpowering exactly. And in the presence, I, I can't overstate the brilliance of Killian and yeah. Helen and Paul. Um, just you know, how could it? How could anyone else be Tommy Shelby? Yeah. When at the time, I remember Killian sent a message saying, "Because you know, when Killian walks into a room, he doesn't look like a gangster." No. You know, but he sent a message saying, remember, I'm an actor. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. And he's so brilliant. And he just inhabits that space unbelievably. He really is. And again, he is, yeah, it's such a, him and Paul. Yeah. I mean, Paul, when you talk to him, he does feel like a gangster. But um, Yes, no, exactly. He's more the, like himself. The fact that, yeah. that both of them just, <clears throat> everyone, Joe, everyone, visibly at first, you're like, these don't look like intimidating yeah. people. But as soon as you establish yeah. those characters, it's yeah. like, oh, they're the most intimidating people. This is terrifying. It's people. like in reality, if you ever are fortunate or unfortunate enough to come across someone who does that line of work, yeah, the leader is normally the smallest yep. and the least physically powerful. And that makes you really, you think, well, what has he got then? Yeah. Something other than physical strength. Yeah, completely. Well, the last thing I want to say on Peak is... As uh, when I was growing up, I always really wanted kind of the police from the bill to turn up in casualty, or <laughs> yes. if someone in EastEnders gets injured, <laughs> they go to Holby City Hospital. Um, so if you end up, obviously Adrian Brody's character started to bring in the American Italian type thing. If you end up bringing Al Capone in, please make it Stevie Graham. So it's basically a Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> an, an unofficial crossover yeah. of Boardwalk Empire. I'm afraid, I'm afraid Al Capone's not going to be. Not oh, going to be in it. He would be such a good one. But so, so what's the plan on Peaky, actually? Because there was originally, it was kind of saying, you're looking at wrapping it up. Yeah. And then it seems that that's not the case now. Well, I mean, we had a couple of very... It's, a, it's funny how these things are decided, because it was like, you know, you're standing around the fire in Charlie's yard because you're shooting Series 4. Yeah. And it would be me and the exec producer and Killian. And we're saying, God, you know, it's going really well. People love it. And Should we do some more? Yeah, okay. All right, shall we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay, we'll do some more. I love and it. It's like, it's and it's that informal. But I always wanted it to be from the beginning, you know, the story of a family between t- two wars. I always wanted the last scene to be the first air raid siren in Birmingham, yeah. 1939. And because of the unbelievable momentum and the energy that from around the world, I mean, it's not just the States, it's South, I mean, in South America, it's huge now. Yeah. Turkey, it's massive. Yeah. Spain, they've made their own 
illegally, but they've made their own version of it for Spanish TV. But because of that energy and that feeling you get from the fans, we just thought, well, we can do this. We can take it all away to World War II. So five um, charts Tommy's um, arrival in the world of politics. Uh, He's, I mean, it's still the same setup and it's not like a departure. I never want it to be a departure from the roots. It's always going to be set in Birmingham. They're always going to be the same type of people, but they are getting more and more powerful. So, you know, it's almost the Joseph Kennedy route to power. Yeah. Uh, He began as a rum runner, you know, and then became who he became. So that's the journey. And I think it's been said already that the enemy he comes across is fascism. Right. Because the 30s was about the rise of fascism. Yeah. And it's a question of how does Tommy Shelby react when he's faced with something like yeah. that, yeah. you know, as a, as a gypsy and a and yeah. working class man and all of that. And what I've tried to do is take a look at what really happened, which is astonishing to most people, um, about the, the strength of fascism in Britain and how many people went along with it. Um, So it's going to deal with that and it's going to continue to deal with that through the 30s all the way up to the war. Amazing. And, you know, I always get lucky with Peaky in that I look at the the year that we've we've moved to and the things that are going on are just perfect. Yeah. You know, just perfect for the story and to to slip Tommy Shelby into there. Yeah. How much of a relief was it to let go of the idea of how it ends, that you wanted it to end with that first air raid, Sarah. If that's been in your mind the whole yeah. time, then it would have been very restricting. So the yeah. time you finally <clears throat> let go of that, you then get to go, oh, look at history. Well, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I mean ba- it, means, been... it means we can get to that destination yeah. elegantly. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it will still be that, but it will be, the journey will be earned in that, that the, the firing pistol of the Second World War it's, it's so neatly balanced because we began with them coming back from the first world. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's like, here we yeah. go again. So it all sits... The yeah. next cycle. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, I'll end on... It's always a tough question, particularly in anyone in film and TV, because there's always so much you can't talk about. But what is ahead? Um, it's, I've, I've had a look online at the ones that are announced. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, again, it's another one that I was lucky enough to get the script for an audition for. I didn't get it... it the role I auditioned for ended up going to a, a Jason Momoa, which is like, oh, why yeah, was yeah. I in competition <laughs> with Jason? He's Aquaman, he's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So C is, yeah. is is one. And it was a script that just, just the concept alone just had my mind just boggling. <laughs> so can we talk about any of that? Yeah, I mean, or, but it's been shot, at the first three have finished. Amazing. Uh, it's been shot in Vancouver. Yes. Jason is amazing. You'd have been more amazing, I'm sure. But no, Jason. No, no. <laughs> it's one of these beautiful things is it seems that you're meant to be bitter as an actor. Every time I've gone for a role and then seen who's got it, I've been like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to see that. He's going to be amazing. So it's that, yeah, it's genuine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, it's a bit, it's a, it's for Apple. Yeah. And so. It's, it, it's one of their first kind of, they're yeah. being pushed into doing their own kind of yeah. body of work like exactly. Netflix and things yeah. like that. So. But yeah, all good. I mean, a big, big, big production. Yeah. Well, just as a concept, is it's it's crazy because it's, is there much that we, because it's been announced that it's set in kind of a weird. Yeah, I don't think realm. we've announced the concept yet. I better not, we'll just in off, case. We'll yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's, it's, it's again that thing that just the simplicity on paper. It's like, wow, I can't even imagine. That world. So therefore, mm. I'm excited to see that world yeah, yeah. and see how that plays out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's hugely exciting. Yeah. Um, another one that's on IMDb and that Dean Baker, again, a, mm. a, a mutual friend, messaged me saying, "You got the perfect look for this." But you're you're, you're doing a Christmas Carol. Yes. And what's the deal with that? Is that with the BBC again? Yes. So uh, what's the plan and, and what's your take on it? <clears> well, it, it, I'm really excited to be doing. Dickens. I mean, we're starting with Christmas Carol, yeah, and that's written. So we'll be getting into production on that very soon. Yeah. But I want to do another four or five Dickens novels. So wow. this will be over the next probably eight to ten years, I suppose. I think this this golden age of television means that you can open the library door and start looking at classics. You could never. It was difficult. Let's put it that way. To do David Copperfield, yeah. even in two hours, you know, it's yeah. really tricky. You have to make all sorts of choices that are unbalanced. Whereas if you've got eight hours, you yeah, can do it. And, course. you know, I believe Dickens would be writing returning TV drama. 
yeah. if he was alive yeah, today yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. what he wanted installments and yeah. and you know lots of character i'm just cannot wait to get going on like oliver twist david copperfield great expectations yeah. taylor two cities you know it's just all there and i want to get a repertory of of the best actors yeah. who, who will come in and out and play different parts yeah I need someone with a long beard yeah. um, <laughs> who's <laughs> English. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're in, 100%. you're in, you're in. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it must be intimidating to take on someone like Dickens, but mm-hmm. even more intimidating to take on the Muppets because the Muppets Christmas Carol is amazing. It's it just, is. It's I mean, that was the right? definitive. I'm not, exactly. We're never going to we're never going to attain those heights, yeah. obviously. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so are they kind of the the prize? I saw also. I didn't know. Much about it, but a film called Rio and yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Michelle Williams, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Instantly, it's like, well, that's gone well already. Yes. Just, yeah, just I on mean, the fact that you've got that. I, I'm not sure where we're at in terms players. of the date of shooting, but uh, they'll be shooting in in Rio. Yeah. In I'm not sure it's going to be called Rio, but yeah, they'll be shooting in Rio this year. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so yeah, so is is that kind of all of your time kind of allotted now? I guess if you've got that. No matter what projects you've got, if you've got that, oh, you're, you've got Dickens now, that's kind oh, of an endless okay. amount of yeah, work yeah. to be kind of... Yeah, I mean, I like to have... Um, I mean, obviously, I'll be doing Peaky as well. Yeah. In, you know, through the coming year and next year as well. But it's always nice to be doing stuff that you're really, really passionate about, that yeah. you really want to do. You know, doing studio work is great and the money's really good, but it's great to be doing something you really love, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll wrap things up with how how pleasing is it to do, to kind of have the definitive TV show that shows the Midlands and oh, has yeah. <clears throat> every everyone I know. I lived in the Midlands for a couple of years. And yeah. everyone there is so proud of Peaky yes. and loves Peaky, and it's so tough that often when an area is portrayed in a TV series, even if it's in the past, it becomes a pastiche or a set yeah. up or yeah. it can get offensive. Yeah. You know, there's, I, I know that I always thought our insane pet was this amazing mm. um, thing of Liverpool. Yeah. It's like, oh, it turns out bread and things like that. It turns out everyone from Liverpool hates it. It's offensive, but yeah. No, it's great. I mean, I worry because Brummies can be quite... Hard to please, um, right? And rightfully so. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it <laughs> seems to have gone well. You know, I've, I did worry that there'd be this hole in the middle of the country where nobody watched it. But yeah. no, I mean, it's it's really popular, and it's based on the real city as it was, based on stories told to me and experiences that I had, just glimpsing the end of that old Birmingham, yeah. uh, which got blown up by the Germans and by town planners. Yeah. So there's very but, little. But bizarrely of it ignored place in history yeah, because exactly. it was the center essentially yeah, and exactly every time we do historical stuff we go generally yeah. to london yeah. sometimes your manchester or liverpool's mm. or the docks or that kind of thing but Birmingham was was know, so much, so, the center of so much yet it seems to have been ignored <clears throat> it meant it was a blank canvas which is good yeah the only tricky thing is the actors find the accent difficult yeah um but we're getting there yeah i love it well thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Very good. You've been listening to Squibbish Pits Discretion Pieces. There we go. That was episode 256. I'm going to keep it short at the end here. I've not done any of the tricks that I've done on the past few weeks to punk you guys who listen and get Buddy Peace to edit something and put it in the intro without you noticing. I've been nice about that. I'm not going to wander around and clean my light switches. They're still clean. Um, I'm just going to say goodbye. Um, And yeah, check Serendipity out, man. I enjoyed it. I, I, I mean, I, I touched upon it at the start. The first, I don't think I said this to Stephen, I worded it nicer. The first 20 minutes or so, I was like, right, I'm not really feeling this. And I was watching it after the podcast had been booked in. And I was a bit, this is going to be an awkward, awkward chat because I want to talk to him about everything other than the new thing he's promoting. Because 20 minutes or so in, I was like, this isn't really 
what I expected from Stephen Knight or from, from Matthew McConaughey or from Anne Hathaway, all these great people. And then about half hour or even 40, 45 minutes in, it starts to unfold and you start to go, oh, all right. And again, I'm, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's reasons for the tone being so different. Anyway, go and give it a look and see if you love it or hate it. It seems to be a Marmite thing just now. So, um, yeah, check that out. I'll be back next week. Um, I'm just recording so many good podcasts at the moment, man. I ain't even kidding. Honestly, I've recorded three in the last week, all of which are great. And I give my little teasers over at patreon.com slash Pit. But in general, yeah, they're going crazy. Um, Next week's guest is a big one. It's PC Leon McLeod. I've been hyping it for weeks now. So I'm hoping that you all tune in excitedly and go, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. Because it really is uh, amazing. So, yeah, just briefly, if you haven't heard in the previous episodes, PC Leo McLeod was one of the first three um, attending officers on the London Bridge terror attack. And he got one of my lyrics to commemorate it. And I was told about it by a friend of his, and man, it blew me away. So, you know, I'd met him. And I put forward the option of coming on the podcast. I knew he was a fan of the podcast. I didn't want to put pressure on it because you don't have to do things like that. But um, he had a, a long think about it and he came down and we recorded it. And it's, man, I get a lot of praise on here for people being honest and open. There's no more honest, open episodes than this one. It's a real moving one. Yeah, it's amazing. So that's that's next week. I've been hyping it a lot. I hope you all enjoy it. Other than that, I'll see you all uh I'll see you all next week. Ta ta